Welcome to the Motor City Hoops Podcast, your home for all things Detroit Pistons and NBA. Thank you for choosing Motor City Hoops, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode 64 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Monday night's game versus the Kings. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short 20 to 25 minute episode giving my immediate reactions, recap and analysis of the game. I'll start off by giving you a quick rundown of the game, followed by my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, something to keep an eye on moving forward, my thoughts on the opponents, and a brief look ahead to what will come next for our Pistons. Before we get into this one's, I want to apologize for my voice, guys. Today was the first day of my high school basketball practice. We had morning practice, and it just took one practice for me to lose my voice. We weren't in the gym an hour and a half, and I came home, and my wife was like, already? You already lost it. So I know it's a little scratchy. I apologize. Please bear with me and stay with the episode. I also, before we get to this game, I need everyone's thoughts on something. And that is Christmas before Thanksgiving. My wife and I had quite the debate about our Christmas tree going up before Thanksgiving. Now they're watching Christmas movies already. They had Home Alone 3 on while I was watching the Pistons game. She just turned Home Alone 1 on as I came down to record. And I just need to know my my daughter's singing Christmas carols already. And we haven't even hit Thanksgiving break. So I just, I want to know. I feel like it's a little disrespectful to Thanksgiving. And I want to know what everybody else thinks. I know at the end of the day, my wife is the boss and happy wife, happy life. but I just like to get your guys' thoughts on that. Tweet at me, drop a comment, whatever it is. But let's go ahead and get into this, what you guys came for. Recording immediately after the Pistons' very, very frustrating 107-129 loss to the Kings that, quite honestly, guys, wasn't even as close as the score indicates. Just some pregame notes. We see the same starting lineup for the fourth straight game. Nice, nice to get some continuity there. The Kings go with De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Maytu, and Holmes. First quarter, hot shooting start. Okay, It looked really, really exciting to start, but we are giving them up buckets on the other end. This is something we've talked about. We can't seem to get stops when we're scoring the basketball. Killian continued to show that havoc on the defensive end, and then it all went downhill. We were up 7-10. The Kings go on a run to take a 16-10 lead. The Pistons got some decent looks and rebounds, but something I'm going to try to break down, some bad passing leads to missed shots. Luckily, the Kings missed some shots and had some turnovers of their own to kind of keep the game close for a while, and then eventually the Pistons just let it get away. They extend, The Kings extended it 22-10, 15 unanswered. Finally, a Joseph layup. Gets the, the Pistons their 12th point of the quarter, which is what they'd finished with, but that was immediately answered by a Hilled three, and in total it was a 24-2 run for the Kings. Just an absolutely awful and disappointing first quarter after the Raptors game and the excitement that was that game. The Pistons go 21% from the field, 15% from three, and no free throw attempts in the first quarter. Start out the second quarter down 12 to 31. Cade starts to attack inside the arc a little. This is something we're going to talk about. I think that's something we have to see more from him. But the Kings always had an answer. Tonight, they answer with three straight triples of their own from Mitchell, Halliburton, and Hild, and just kind of stay off that run there from Cade Cunningham. 
Again, they start to show the Pistons start to show a little more life. Four minutes into the second, Keith Black Trudeau kind of highlighted on Twitter the Rodney Magruder spark. And to me, guys, this is what being a pro is all about, right? Like he doesn't get his minutes. He never knows when his rotations are going to come, but he gets his number called and he goes in and he helps spark a little bit of a run, a 13-2 run from the Pistons, and they continue to score. But this is where the Kings continue to. to score as well and hold off an even bigger run from the Pistons. Fox hits a pull up. Hild got a bucket. Holmes with another bucket. That's a name I'm going to say a lot. Followed by a fourth bucket from De'Aaron Fox. And this was the Pistons' chance to really get back into the game. And the Kings answered. Jeremy Grant does not score in the first half. Not really sure, you know, what was going on with Jeremy in the first half. He ended the game with just seven points as well on only 10 shot attempts. And then Killian Hayes doesn't score in the first half and at all in this game. We'll talk about him when I talk about my biggest takeaways. The Kings make nine threes and over 50% from three in the first half. For the game, they make 16 threes and shoot almost 50% for the game from the three-point line. Down 44-68 at half, going starting the third quarter. I felt like the Pistons might have one more run in them and the Kings would have a stretch where they open the door just a little bit. And the Pistons do start off with some energy. Stewart gets a two. Cade hits a three. Bay hits a three. They get it to 18. I know that's a lot still, but you still got the vibe that if they could just really string some stops together and continue to make shots, they might really get back into the game. And then I thought Bay forced off a tough three. I don't know that it was a bad shot. I don't know that I minded it, but maybe like to see a better look in that situation. They get a block on the other end of the Pistons, but it leads to an and one putback from Rashawn Holmes. They couldn't come up with the ball after the block. They start to make a little push again, and then back-to-back turnovers from Bay and Cade. Rashawn Holmes continues to make momentum-killing buckets, a little push-floater shot, offensive rebound, roll and dump. Kings gave the Pistons a chance to truly get back in this game in the third quarter, and the Pistons just were not able to take advantage, as I outlined there. And we got some Saban Lee minutes, which we'll talk about as well. Pistons down 70 to 92 going into the fourth, and the Kings immediately put it away with a 7-0 run to start the quarter. So what I want to say here is, I don't want to say you can't take away anything from what happened in the fourth quarter, but that game was over a couple minutes into the fourth. After that 9-0 run, you could tell the Kings said, we're going to put this away, and the game was over at that point. And so I don't want to look too much into what we saw the rest of the fourth quarter because I know Hami got minutes, which I love, and you guys know how big of a Hami guy I am. And it was good to see him do some positive things. He got seven points in nine minutes. And I think Hami should get minutes. Okay, but all I'm going to say is just because he scored seven points in nine minutes of a fourth quarter blowout doesn't mean that Dwayne Casey was wrong. It doesn't mean he's the answer to the second unit or what has going has been going wrong for the Pistons. That's all I want to say. I want to see Hami get minutes. Okay, I don't agree with what happened a couple games ago, but I don't think that should put him in the doghouse permanently. But I also don't believe what we saw in this fourth quarter just necessarily means he has quote-unquote earned them or something like that. Love seeing Luka Garza play hard no matter what. We'll talk more about Luka as we move through the episode. And again, I don't take much what we saw in this fourth quarter, but I do think it's interesting Cade was continuing to get minutes with this lineup. I don't know if this was one of those scenarios where Dwayne Casey was like, hey, he's on triple-double watch as he finished with 25-8-8, eight, and eight, so I want to give the young guy a chance to do that. If there was something else that happened through the game in terms of energy or leadership or whatever it was, I, I, those are answers we're probably never going to get unless one of our favorite beat writers, Omari, um, shout out to Omari, he's going through some health stuff right now, so 
Just want to give a shout out to Amari, but if Rod or James would happen to ask that question from Dwayne Casey, I don't know if we'll get that answer, but I do think that was interesting. Not necessarily something to read into, but interesting. And even Stewart subbed in for Garza. I assume that was because Garza was tired and Bay went back in at the end of the game also. Just thought it was interesting. No, no, no big takeaway, but just thought it was interesting that those guys got those minutes late in the fourth quarter of a blowout. We're going to get right into the biggest takeaways. I have absolutely no clue what to think about, about this team. Like Wes and I were talking about it before we recorded and we were texting about it through the, like, they're so Jekyll and Hyde. Like, is that just who they are? Are, are they Jekyll and Hyde? Is this what we're going to get for 82 games this season? And what can be done to fix it? Does it fall on Dwayne Casey? Does it fall on the coaches? I think it falls somewhere in the middle along with a lot of other things that I, I feel like the ownership falls on everybody. Are they going to be comp- – like they're obviously not going to be as good as some thought, even myself – thought that they might be, but are they going to be competitive? I do feel like so many games last year, this team was competitive, maybe lost it at the end, or maybe they did lose the lead early, you know, to a 15 point lead, but then you'd see them fight back. And it just feels like so many games early in this season, we haven't even really seen them be competitive. Now with that said, James Edwards, the third from the athletic has reminded me like, Last year, you had a lot of vets and you had guys like Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. As much as we didn't love those guys um, for that team, I don't want to say we didn't love them, but didn't love them for that team. We wanted to see the young guys play. We had some vets who had been around the block. Maybe that was making a huge impact. And we've talked about the vets on this current team not necessarily playing well. Olenek's out now. Joseph hasn't played well. Trey Lyles was not good tonight. So I, I just I don't know what to think about this team right now. Maybe this is who they are. Maybe they're just going to be Jekyll and Hyde, and we're in for a roller coaster all season. Sadiq Bay, quote unquote, unaggressiveness is over, and I highlighted this. His last few games, 13 attempts, 17, 12, 11, 12 in the first half tonight, 17 total. I think that was just a small blimp for Sadiq Bay. I probably overreacted to that. It just a couple games. Maybe it was just a weird, just a little quirk in the schedule for him. But I think we see him being aggressive again, looking to take a shot. He was 4-9 from three. The shot's coming back around. I love to see it. Very excited to see what we're going to see from Sadiq Bay the rest of the season. Killian Hayes, still a work in progress, guys. And that's okay. It's okay if he takes two steps forward and then one step back tonight. I know he followed last games up with a performance tonight of no points, five rebounds, and three assists. I know that's not good. He wasn't good tonight offensively. I get it. I understand. And I understand the frustration when Tyrese Halliburton looked as good as he did. At the end of the day, Killian Hayes was the pick. Killian Hayes is here. And so we have to just go on this journey with him as he hopefully continues to make baby steps and progress one game at a time, but maybe 10 games sample size at a time. We may see him play really well for two games and then bad for a couple games. And then he take plays really well for another two games. I don't think we have to get concerned until we see a large, large sample size of multiple games in a row where he just doesn't look good. If he follows this performance up with five more just like it, then yeah, I understand that. And I understand why people want to talk about Tyrese Halliburton. But at the end of the day, I still think Killian Hayes can be a good player in the NBA. I think Cade has to force the issue inside the arc more. I feel like it's a little bit of his nature to settle for threes early in the game. And I've talked about it's his nature in general to let other guys get involved, kind of play that closer role. But 
even though I've been patient with that and understand that is who he is, I think he has to embrace the moment, realize the moment of the game, and he may have to go be that guy throughout the game. I talk about momentum shots all the time. I think he may have to find those spots in the first quarter, maybe in the second quarter, whenever the other team's going on a run, and it's not always threes, but maybe go get those tough buckets at the rim like we saw him do at the end of the Raptors game. I think he has to recognize those momentum, those moments in the game in the first quarter, in the first half, and go get those buckets then to try to keep these games closed. Luca Garza, very engaged on the sideline, which I appreciate. Like, you watch this, he's always standing up, he's always clapping. Okay, I love that about Luca Garza. My biggest takeaway from him is, though, he is the player I thought he was right now. And that's a guy who offensively can do some things. He can make some shots. He's going to work his butt off, guys. He's going to go grab some offensive rebounds. He's going to be physical. He sets great screens, as Keith Black Trudeau highlighted on Twitter as well. But defensively, it's a huge work in progress still. Now, I did tweet out that one thing I'd like to see, because he's not going to be a traditional rim protector, is can he just contest shots with the verticality and then also taking charges? We saw him take a charge tonight. That's another way to protect the rim, to protect the paint without the traditional like block shot. So I thought it was interesting to see Luca Garza get time. I don't mind him getting some minutes. Again, the defense is going to be work in progress, but I love his motor, just how hard he works and how engaged in the game he is. And then the final one before we get to player of the game, I still want to see Saban Lee minutes. And I know he didn't necessarily just like show out in the fourth quarter tonight, but again, I don't take a whole lot of stock in what happened those final eight, nine minutes of the game. To me, this continues to go back to Corey Joseph. And I just I, I just want to see it, guys. I just want to see the change. I want to see it for 10 games. And maybe it doesn't work. Maybe Saban Lee isn't the answer. Maybe he's not ready. I don't know. But I'm just ready to see that change. I'm ready for him to get that opportunity. And I think it's warranted based off Corey Joseph's play. Player of the game tonight goes to Cade Cunningham. Stats-wise, his best game of his career. I said 25-8-8. Eight and eight. 10 to 20 from the field, 5'11 from the three-point line. Didn't get to the free throw line tonight. Something I'd like to see more from him. And again, I'd like to see him get to the basket more. I thought he was good tonight. I don't know that I would say it was his all-around best game. I know he scored the ball and the stat line looks the best, but I think we've seen him play just as well in other games with the intangibles. He had some turnovers tonight. He had some other passes that were just deflected. So uh, he's still the player of the game. He was the best player on the floor for the Pistons. I guess you, I suppose you can make an argument for Sadiq Bay, but it, it, good to see Cade making shots and kind of getting that flow for sure. And then the same thing with Sadiq Bay. Nice game offensively. 28 points for him, 9 to 17, 4 of 9 from the three point line. I only have one play of the game for you guys, and that's the Cade shot fake and dunk. That was really nice to see there. Lots of times I have like those sequences that I break down for you, and it just didn't really come to fruition tonight as much. And I'll be honest, I, you know, I had a lot of disappointment watching the game, and so I just didn't keep track of those quite as much tonight as I have in other games. So the play of the game, we're just going to go with the one Cade dunk. Some things to keep an eye on moving forward. I, I guess I kept my focus more towards those things that um, my were my biggest takeaways and something to keep an eye on. Casey goes with an eight-man rotation through 14 minutes. So stay with me here. I realized how many guys they played, but through 14 minutes, he had an eight-man rotation. Now, I don't know if it's because of the way the game was going or whatever, but it was only Joseph, JJ, and Lyles through those first 14 minutes. Usually, we've seen the entire second unit inserted to start the second quarter. So no Frank, no Hami, no Luca. Now, Frank does come for Joseph at 1040 in the, stack, in the second quarter, which is still different than what we normally see. And we saw a little bit more staggering of the Caden Killian minutes tonight. Then Magruder comes in, ends up being the 10th guy, Garza the 11th, and Lee 12th through three quarters. 
I just thought it was a little bit different rotations than what we've seen. And so I just kind of wonder if there's a chance this rotation is going to get shook up a little bit. We're 13 games in. I believe Casey's quote says 20 games to figure out the rotation. But obviously we've seen with Hami, he's made a little bit of a decision there. Is he gonna? Is his hand gonna be forced a little bit just based off how the second unit is playing, how the bench is playing? They only had nine first half points tonight, so I think that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. The rest of this week is how does that second unit play out in these games? Okay, not a big thing here, but I can't help but wonder: is the scouting report out on Jeremy Grant in his second season being in this role? I realize he's been in the league for a long time, but is the scouting report starting to get out on him? As a focal point, everybody has last year's film. They're starting to see him multiple, you know, more and more times. You know, there's just been a couple plays like Euro step in transition a couple games ago, a spin move tonight where De'Aaron Fox looked like he was just able to anticipate exactly what was coming. And then even his isolations, you know, is there enough in his bag that the defense has to play multiple things, or do they know he's just going to go to the one, you know, the dribble pull up or the fadeaway? Just something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying it's true. It's just something that started to stick out to me a little bit and and makes me wonder if the scouting report is out there and if he's going to have to now adjust his game because he – I don't want to say he's been figured out. I think that's too much to say. But just – is he going to have to go to some other things because teams are going to play him you know, to, to force him away from his moves that he likes to go to. Isaiah Stewart and his lack of offensive evolution came about again on Twitter tonight. Something Some people think the shot has been changed by the coaching staff. Others think it was never there to begin with. He even kind of struggled to finish around the rim tonight. He was 4 of 11 from the field after a night where he shot it really well. So it's just something to keep an eye on there. I've talked about this even earlier in the year with his offensive evolution in terms of making shots from the outside, being able to create, and just in terms of like throwing a backdoor in the DHO or passing out of a offensive rebound or a double team if he got double teamed in the post. We haven't even really seen any true post-ups for him since early in the season. So it's just, it's interesting to watch. I'm not placing blame. We're going to talk about the offense and Dwayne Casey again here in just a second, but just continue to watch that as we talked about with James Edwards, or excuse me, Rod Beard, how long Isaiah Stewart was out with the ankle injury and how that may have stunted growth a little bit. But now he should be getting his legs back. He's 13 games in. You know, we've had a little bit of a season. We saw him get better with his offensive game throughout last season. So just something to keep an eye on moving forward. The Pistons offense and Dwayne Casey. I think the fan base is always going to disagree on this. Is it the player's fault? Is it simply just making shots? You know, against the Raptor in the Raptors game, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how much different the offense was and how much different the shots were. I'm sure there's some people that would say it was drastically different if you go watch the film. And then there's others that are just going to say, no, it just simply came down to the Pistons making shot and the flow and all that. I My wonder is, what do the players think? What do the players believe in? What do the players trust? Do they believe in this offense? Do they trust in this offense? Or are they questioning it because they're not scoring the ball well? Because they're not shooting it well? Are they, is there kind of a, some discourse? I don't want to say like animosity, but you know, last year this was Jeremy Grant's team, quote unquote, or at least his offense. He was the usage. Now it's Cade Cunningham and you're mixing in a, a second year Sadiq Bay and you want to mix Killian Hayes into the, 
into the equation and he didn't play a lot of games last year. So is there just still some figuring out and is there going to be an evolution? Is that the evolution of a transition from Jeremy Grant, quote unquote, offense to Cade Cunningham's offense and Sadiq Bey's offense? So I just think that's really interesting. And where does the offense run through? Is it those guys? Is it more pick and roll with Cade and Hayes like people have talked about? Is it transition? What is it going to look like? I think that's really something to keep an eye on. I'm not going to sit here and point fingers and say Casey should do this or the players should do that I just it makes me wonder what is going on where's the trust where's the belief and what is going to be the evolution of this offense some thoughts on the other team Buddy Hield had an interesting stat most three points made in his first 400 games I thought that was a very interesting stat that they showed pregame um, even as I say it right now as we record I'm like am I sure I read that right like I feel like that can't be right but I'm sure if somebody's listening, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But I, that was that's a pretty impressive feat for Buddy Hield, and he backed it up with a great night tonight as he scored 22 points. Felt like he made every shot he took, six of ten from the three point line, eight of 14 from the field. A team that can be very dangerous in stretches. A team they at times, excuse me, they were playing faster or playing fast and getting good shots, making shots, would go on runs, back-to-back-to-back three, stuff like that. And then at times it looked like they were playing faster than they, faster than what they are capable of. So just a really interesting team, a team that can be really dangerous, be interesting to follow them throughout the, the season. One of the teams I really like some of the pieces they have, and I just wonder what's the next step for this team? What gets them to the next level? Is it a continued progression of these players like De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, Rashawn Holmes? Is there a move that they're going to have to make? Are they going to have to package these guys to go get another player? Can they somehow score a guy in free agency? What is the move, the next move for the Sacramento Kings that helps take them to the next level or make a jump or a next step? Because I do think they have some pieces that are really nice. And guys, I really, really like Rashawn Holmes. You can call him simple plays, quote unquote, whatever you want. But I felt like he had huge momentum buckets tonight. He would either catch it and just shoot the little push floater in the lane. He would go get a big offensive rebound, you know, off the a block shot where the momentum was really trying to swing in the Pistons' favor. He gets a putback and one. I just thought he made a ton of really tough, tough buckets in terms of when the momentum was against the Kings and they needed a bucket, he was able to go and do that. And I just was really impressed by his game and a lot of the different Kings players. Final thing here, we're going to take a look ahead. Wednesday night, we play the Pacers. They're 6-8. and eight. They're playing the Knicks as we speak. I believe the game just went final. They lost 84-92, to 92, so that would drop the Pacers to 6-9. and nine. They're first in the league in block shots, uh, led by Miles Turner. So that's something to keep an eye on, how much the Pistons are able to get to the lane, get to the rim, and finish in the lane. Maybe they can draw some fouls and get to the free throw line. Rookie twist, Chris Duarte has had a nice start to his rookie season. TJ McConnell is going to be a guy be interesting to see how Cade and Killian respond to playing against a guy like TJ McConnell, a defensive guy like that, and Malcolm Brogdon having even a better season than last season. So it'll be a, a, a tough test against a Pacers team that I'm sure will be motivated, but a Pistons team that should be motivated coming off tonight's loss against the Kings. As always, I want to thank my guy Wes Davenport, who we call the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast and takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better and easier for me. I also want a second to take a second to thank all the people who have reached out in support of Motor City hoops whether you're just messaging me to let you know let me know you like the show whether you're wishing me luck on continued success and everything we're doing or giving advice whatever it is 
Okay. Or for some of you, even the creating the, the friendships I've created with some of you, I appreciate all of you so very much. Like, it's just incredible. I never thought Motor City Hoops would get to the point that it's at. And I just, more than anything, more than the number of followers or the likes or the downloads or anything else, we're, we're two weeks away from being a year into this thing. And it's about the friendships and the connections I've made through this. That's been more amazing than any of that. And I just love it and appreciate it so much. And I just, I, I welcome you. If you're one of those listeners that loves to engage with the podcast you're listening to, reach out to me. I've had people add me on as a Facebook friend and we Facebook message, Twitter DM. Um, I try to check the Detroit bad boys comments, uh, you know, every single day. I love the interactions. That's what I'm here for more than anything, more than anything guys is the interactions. Cause I love to talk hoops and I love to talk pistons hoops. Motor city hoops. will be back with an instant recap episode after Wednesday's game against the Pacers and Friday this week. And then we'll cap off the weekend and begin next week by being joined by my guy, Amari Sankofa from the Detroit free press for a regular weekly episode drop. We missed this week. So we got two weeks worth of content. I know that's going to make Wes's life real easy, creating the outline. He's going to love that. It's going to be really good. I'm excited for that episode. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motor City Hoops podcast. Please give us a rating, drop a review, and subscribe. For more content, including video breakdowns, make sure you follow us at Motor City Hoops on Twitter. I hope you join us next episode. Until then, be safe and be well.